Welcome to First Aid Copites, a podcast for Delaware's Liverpool supporters and their friends. August 17th, and it's the fourth episode of our fifth season. Welcome, dear listener. I'm Paul, and I'm joined today by Daz and Justin. Um, great to have you both on. Um, we're here to talk about the Chelsea game that happened last weekend. Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of play in the Liverpool world and the, uh, well, I don't know, we're, we're certainly not going to reach the level of anger about anything that's that's out there. Uh, and then the upcoming visit of the brand new Bournemouth. Um, hope someone's done their uh, the, the opposition prep because I don't really don't know much about Bournemouth other than Solanke scored for them, which sounds very like Bournemouth from last year. Um, well, let me uh, let me give you something about Bournemouth quickly. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Their their manager is Basque, and the Basque region is uh, a place where it, they use a lot of sherry vinegar. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> so you know, you can make a real nice salad dressing there. So, does, he so, use shallots? does he use shallots though? Does he know what does shallots he, are? Yeah. What are shallots? Yeah. Does he, I'm pretty sure. I, I do not know if Adriola knows what a shallot is. And even if he does, I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, actually, let me ask you this, Paul. What, what, do, what do you guys call shallots in the UK? Because, like, you know, I know that, you know, we name vegetables very differently here. Like the idea of a scallion being a spring onion and a eggplant what? being an aubergine. <laughs> Let's start with this is a left field surprise I wasn't expecting. Uh, I don't even know if they have shallots in the UK. I think they probably just call them onions. Um, like uh, they're just different shaped onions. Small onions. Uh, just, just, just <laughs> by the way, I think. Bring one in the little onions, love. There's, there's, there's a, there's, there's like a parallel here with uh, LFC transfer chat about kind of what counts for uh, good and what counts for bad. And shallots are bad, I think. Are they bad? Onions. I love shallots. Really very good. useful. It's a very useful cooking ingredient. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The circus that is Chelsea, it says here, part one. Um, let's start there. Um, I, I kind of went through this in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Justin, and and because I know that you'll weave salad into this too. Um, the, I mean, the good oh, absolutely is. I think we knew this. Down the wing, <laughs> the front five could run over anybody on that right day. Um, I'm a bit confused. Actually, I thought we were going to. Talk about pianos rather than salads, but you know we'll, we'll we'll get back there. Um, the 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 notion that we've got a lot of people who can play the piano and we need a few more piano carriers uh, seems very prevalent. Um, where, where do you want to go with the good that was Liverpool on uh, Sunday at Chelsea? Well, I believe the good was the salad days of the game early on, <laughs> and actually the last fifteen minutes were actually pretty good too. Um, could have won in the last fifteen. Actually, yeah. I mean. I thought it was just like I thought it was a um entertaining yet shit game of football from both teams. Because like right now we're we're out of balance. So that's I think that's the best way to put it. We have some very good footballers. We don't have the things like you said, the piano, you know, the piano carrier. We don't have the things that actually keep that together. Um the thing that was driving me nuts was that we just kept going for the jugular and trying to play a lot of direct balls sometimes you have to be a little bit more considered a little bit a little bit less direct and a little bit less press happy like pick and choose your moments get your foot on the ball it's fine if you have sterile possession for a few minutes those are things that we just didn't do um i expect that those things will improve because those are things that are pretty quick you're pretty quick to notice like a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool side with 35% of the ball is not a thing that you're going to see regularly. Like if we have 35% of the ball against Bournemouth, it means that we've won like 12, nothing and just sat and, and just start looking to pick them off on the counter. Um, yeah. 12, nothing is scoreline that I no longer think is impossible considering last year's nine nil. Um, but I think that we were just way too direct. I thought we pressed it too much and pressed too much badly and just looked a bit out of sync between the two halves of the team, right? The defensive half and the, and the offensive half. And I think that that will come as we bring in personnel that's better at maintaining that balance. And some of that personnel exists in the side without a transfer. Cause if Tiago is playing, trust me, the pace of the pace of the game changes for us. And we, um, you know, he'll be doing Enzo type things. Cause Tiago has been doing, uh, Enzo thinks since Enzo was, you know, 
Very not old. even sprouting pubes. Yeah. Yeah. So so there was a bit of the good, the bad, and the ugly and all of that, Justin. I'll go to you, yeah. um, uh, Daz. The good, um, again, I think the front five could run over anybody on a big day, but there was a lot, as Justin said, of trying to get the ball quickly forward like too many times, which I think led to that possession percentage. Um, I think there were occasions where just the last pass was not quite the right weight, apart from the Salah one for the Diaz goal, which is just exceptional. Um, thoughts about the good uh, in, in the performance? As many times as I've been on this podcast after a game that I was frustrated in, I, I always say that I'm glad that this wasn't done on Sunday at 2 p.m. Because it would have, or two half past two, because it would have our time, Eastern Standard Time, because it would have been a, a, a much different conversation. I, I, I want to go back, cycle back to what something that Justin said, and I, and I think part, and it kind of ties into what I was, I'm saying about having a little bit of afterthought, at least, um, to cool off. Is I think my, I was very frustrated watching the game, and my frustration it was born from something that Justin was saying. It's the fact that we. Everything felt like we felt like we were the agents of our own downfall. Like we gave the ball away very cheaply when we didn't need to. It was like some of the some of it was it was thoughtless. Whereas if we had had to put a little bit more thought into it or a little bit more footballing intelligence instead of trying to do it at a hundred miles an hour, I think that we probably would have squeezed out a win in that game. And think about this. I think we're going to come on to talk about the super subs. And you can take a look and see how much different the control was. Now, you could say that Chelsea kind of blew themselves out a little bit too, but Ch uh, Curtis, and, and he gets slaughtered for chewing on the ball. Uh, by me, personally, I do it as well, because sometimes I think he does a little bit too too much. But that's what you needed at that point in the game, was someone to put their foot on the ball, chew on it a little bit, soak up a bit of the pressure, just move it around sterilely as, as, as Justin was talking. And I thought that that's... I thought that Klopp oftentimes... His substitutions leave me a little bit confounded, to say the least. But I think in this in this this instance, I think that I think that there were the he made the correct decisions, and it made us better for those last fifteen minutes. But nine minutes. Can I say something about Curtis? That, that it's interesting you bring this up. I've for a while thought that his best role for us is playing an eight when we're away from home at a tough team, because he will possess the ball. Mm -hmm. And that is something you need to do in those areas to take pressure off your defense. So, yeah. so I, definitely, I definitely want to go here, actually. And I'll, I'll go back to you, actually, uh, Justin, on this. Because we talked in the last podcast, or I was trying to talk in the last podcast about do we want to attack or do we want to defend? Do we see them as a top 10 team or not? And I honestly think that formation is perfect against a bottom 10 team, uh, even away from home. And I think the the one of the big differences in the selection was not picking Jones instead of, you know, whether whether, whether it was Gakpo, we could have played Gakpo further forward, but playing Jones in that left side, number eight. Um, what are your thoughts? I see what you're saying, but I think that this has been identified by a bunch of people already. Um, <clears throat> it creates a real soft underbelly on your left side. Um, it puts Andrew Robertson into some, not good situations. So, 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 but the Gakpo Diaz Robertson, I think, was what created so many problems for us in the second half. I think if that had been a, well, maybe part of the problem is Diaz, but I think the Jones in yeah. the Gakpo role, uh, there would have been much more help for Robertson, who yeah. know, people who didn't watch the game and read Twitter seemed to think that Robertson had a bad game. Um, but I, I, I don't think that was true. It was crisis defending for most of the first half. Well, for the for the this latter part of the first half, I don't think it was. I don't think he was good. I don't think it was his fault. Like I don't think that he's being helped. But I also yeah. don't think that he like I I just don't think that he fits playing um, in the way we're using our left back slash left sided center back. Like I I don't think it's great for him because. If you think about what he does well, it's marauding forward. He's he's very good at going forward. Um, at his best, his best was when Ginny Wijnaldum was playing the left sided central midfielder because he would drop back in. Like you have balance and cover. That's well, going to need to be figured uh, out. And Sadio Mane as well dropping into yeah. a much more deeper role. And I think like what Gakpo and Diaz did was the opposite of Ginny and um, Sadio Mane. 
let me ask you, let me ask you this so if if we do manage to find a six someone that's willing to stay home or that is an actual six and you either put Sobosly or Maka on on the left do you think that that do you think that that would assuage the problem because yes Maka says he like he likes to play a left-handed side of a double pivot which is just, you could essentially argue that's what he'd probably be doing oh yeah I, I, I'm all in on, I think McAllister would have solved a lot of that problem if he'd have been playing with a six. They're both higher work rate players who know how to defend a little bit more yeah. than Cody Gakpo does. Go, mm-hmm. Cody Gakpo is a high work rate player. If you actually, I mean, like he, he, he does a lot when he's out there, but the difference in what he does is a lot of his pressing is going forward. forward like he's, yeah. he, he, he's pushing forward and trying to win the ball higher up the pitch mm-hmm. than plugging holes like i think robertson will be helped by that yeah yeah it's one of the things i think i said on the thread too it's like it's it's equal parts awesome and frustrating to watch Gakpo in that position because he tackles like a forward you can mm-hmm. see it, 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 it and jones to a certain extent does as well he just he's looking to try and nick the ball like you said higher up the pitch and turn it and go the other way whereas sometimes you just need to welly someone into the into the, into the last row in the stadium and He's really actually actually having said that he's really good at, at at cynical fouls in the in the opposite side in the far side of the pitch, yeah. like closer yeah. to the eighteen yard box. You see him do it quite frequently when he knows he's not going to get the ball. He just pulls the player down, not nastily, but it's it's kind of cynical. And so I'm just not go to you, but I'm fine with Gakpo playing that role against a team that we know is weaker. And it was weird because Chelsea looked pretty poor for twenty minutes. Um, they didn't look great at the very end of the game when they brought in those subs. Felt like we could easily have, have stolen the, the stolen strong word, but felt like we could have won it at the end. Purloined. Um, that game could have gone either way. It's that yeah. that is a it is a basically dead even XG game where we didn't get we got more shots. We had a lot of shots blocked, yeah. and we didn't really create any clear cut chances. They created one or two clear cut chances, but they don't have anybody who's going to score. Like who scores goals on that team? Nicholas Jackson's not really a goal scorer. He's a runner from deep. Raheem Sterling isn't a really reliable goal scorer at this point in his career. Um, who else? I mean, Mutrik. It's weird because their narrative about the game was like all the players like, oh, we should definitely have won that. And you look at the XG, it's like, uh, I think you're imagining that the chances you had were much better than they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're not good. I mean, they are very much a work in progress and that they're going to be all season is going to be an elite midfield team. That's going to have trouble scoring goals. And if their midfield gets beaten, they're going to be a sieve because their center backs aren't particularly good. And we, we, we can talk a little bit about this at the end of the segment, but um, you know, maybe they don't want to be in Europe next year anyway, um, given how more difficult it would be them to pass the uh, financial fair play test, um, given all those signings. Mm-hmm. So, worst thing for them is they finish fourth, right? They get less money than anybody else in the top four, and then they have to pass the financial fair play test. It sounds like they probably have to. Uh, have there's, to... there's a funnier scenario. Conference. Oh, go ahead. Funnier scenario. The conference league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. I didn't even thought about that. That's, That's what you have to root for. Chelsea finished yeah. seventh. Yeah. And they have to pass the FFP test. They have to pass FFP. And you're sending Moises Caicedo to go play like, you know, the fourth best team in Israel on a Thursday night. Well, I think they may have to sell him to Real Madrid, uh, actually. But they're not recouping 115 million pounds. Not even close. Yeah, they'll be trying to, who are they trying to sell? Because they're almost done with all of their uh, academy people, right? Or worth money. So Zayek is going out on a free transfer, so you can't really chalk that one up. He wasn't worth anything. I think they've got Gallagher left who's worth anything. Gallagher, Um, Lewis Hall. They just sold sold to. I know Hall's Hall's going to Newcastle. And they tried to bring Lavia back. Wasn't Lavia? Lavia was a seven year academy player at Chelsea. Not Lavia, um, Olise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that they need to do, actually, if they really want to be clever about the accounting, is they have to actually sell academy players at extremely inflated fees, because that's the only way you can claim 100% profit. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking Saudi Arabia is the only way out here. 
but uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. The, oh, so now I'm really banking on them finishing seventh. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> I, 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 I know I needed to give that 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 bit of uh, you know yeah, yeah. joy. Love it, love it, love it. So one thing uh, that one, so one thing I, go I ahead. To, I wanted to talk about was was. I think we talked about missed chances, or did we? Or was that on the agenda? I missed that. It wasn't the agenda. We yeah, we 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 had some missed chances for sure. Yeah, because at first fifteen minutes, the one off the bar, there was the the heavy ball from from uh, Jota to to Luis Luis Diaz. There was yeah. the poor ball back across the box. There was the one where Jota took it off Sobosly's foot. Mm-hmm. There was there was numerous chances where. Even if one of those had gone on, Chelsea, Chelsea were, were done. They would have, they would have probably gone into fetal position and just waited for the kicking to stop. Yeah. But I think it's it's a it's a frustration for me that it has been for a while. Even when we were at our best, we squandered some very good chances, and we were just good enough to account for them and and make more make more and sometimes better chances. But that's what crept in last year. I felt like was that. When we when we start we started to miss some of those guilt edge chances, you could see that the confidence started to erode. So, I'm not so, sure if that was the same for this year, but it was like it did bring back some specters from from the from last year when we weren't very good. The small thing I'd, I'd pick up on there is I think last year we were missing chances in the game against Chelsea. I felt like there were too many times when the final ball required the player receiving it to like take an extra touch, um, yeah. which. I would hope they're going to be able to figure out when they spend more time together. Yeah, early season too. Yeah, you can't say. Sorry, Justin, I'm going to cut you off. No, I was actually only going to say yeah there, and that on speaks that, volumes in and of itself. On that note, um, so good, the bad. We talked about all those things. Um, the ugly Chelsea fans still as bad as ever, apparently. Um, uh, just a quick note. Apparently, one person was arrested and one person was thrown out of the stadium. Multiple people reported that there were more than two people chanting um, uh, kind of awful Hillsborough-related uh, chants. Um, Even Gerard's song came up, too. I heard it and I pointed it out to Max with oh, what, text, my son. What, what were they doing? The, the Stephen Gerard song. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. yeah. See, that one's just stupid, but it's not vile. No. Apparently, um, I read that they were chanting murderers when we scored. So that's vile. Um, so Yeah, that's vile. In case we're giving them a pass. Um, we could touch on refereeing. Did, did well, we, you... we, did say, we did say off air that I don't think Caicedo should try and catch the tube home after a practice session. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a wonderful Chelsea-related joke. Doesn't need to be turned into a chant. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird. Although I, I saw today that uh, uh, Reese James is ruled out for three months, right? Um, yeah, kind of kidding weird. me. What? What's that? Kidding me? Reese James is hurt. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, and apparently, Sean's shocked that his sister has been allowed to play in the World Cup final, which I don't understand. But that's a small uh, kind of um, our thread joke. The thing I want to get to is: Did you listen to the commentary, or did you do the sensible thing and turn it off? Oh, I listened. Graham Lasso is un. Fucking playable. Oh, he's so garbage. It turns into white noise in my head. <laughs> Look at you. I was I was watching the game with my daughter, and like he, he says stupid stuff. And she's like, he's only talking about Chelsea. I'm like, yes, he's only talking about Chelsea. <laughs> and he continued to talk about the game totally from a Chelsea perspective. Oh, but no. I said that on the thread. It's like it's incredible the amount of gymnastics that he goes through to try and make challenges that they make or yeah, something something innocuous make make it sound, seem like something bigger, and when our guys turn themselves into knots to to to, to just to slaughter us, you you remind me, the challenge on Jota by Colwell was pretty awful. Like he, he got the ball, but then he followed through. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jota made it out for the second half, uh, and he's trying to pass the offers. Oh, like it's just one of those things. It's like honestly, I think in the modern game that actually is a bookable offense. You know. You kind of try and clean somebody out. You, it doesn't matter if you get the ball. Yeah, Harvey Elliott got cleaned out in the area late in the game. And because of the fact that it wasn't necessarily like totally on the ball, nobody would ever consider that would be a uh, a penalty. But it's a foul in the area. Like you'd call that a foul anyplace else on the pitch. Well, yes. Let's just have a brief word about Anthony Taylor. 
Of um, Greater Manchester? Of Greater Manchester, yes, yes. Not a United fan. No way is a United fan. Um, a handball? Jesus it's a handball. It's a handball. I, I, I don't know if you, if you guys have watched much of the Women's World Cup, but there were two important games decided by handball, something nowhere near as, as obvious as that. Someone slowed it down, and they say that if you watch it, he actually opens his hand as the ball comes towards him. Yeah. So it's not like he was – that that was witting. Even, yeah. though, even if he couldn't get his hand out the way, he spread his fingers, and then he pointed to his chest. Right. You, guys want to hear the ga- you, guys, you guys want to hear a galaxy brain interpretation of why that was the right call? Go ahead. Because in fast speed, VAR couldn't see enough to recommend that it was a clear and obvious error to Taylor, who couldn't see the play because he was behind it. Is, is this a Twitter feed that I'm following? This is the Dale Johnson, like the ESPN VAR Kidding. explanation oh every, oh, every yeah. week. Oof. Uh, do, you, do you want to drive yourself insane? Read that. <laughs> well, so one thing I will say is the thing that really got on my nose this weekend was the Wolves penalty they should have had. Obviously, should have been a penalty, VAR, whatever. But they weren't talking the same about art. No, like nobody in the match summaries I looked at were mentioning the handball. Oh, you know what's no. you know what's worse? I seem to remember Nunez getting sent off last year for nutting somebody. Yeah. It was then, uh, Joaquin Anderson. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and then this is where I was talking about Lasso. He's like, oh, he got it right there. They were both involved. Like, no, he wasn't. He nutted him on the forehead. He, Jota did nothing. He took that. It wasn't like he, like he lent back in. He just took a nut to the forehead and Taylor brandished a yellow for both of them. So, then so, there was Sobosly who was standing behind him. He removed, he refused to get out of the way. He screens him. It got, they get the ball on top of our 18 yard box. Right. Yeah, just. Christ, son, put a blue jersey on. Yeah. Yeah. Shades of Ryan Babel uh, kind of came back to me this week on multiple occasions. Uh, we might get into Ryan Babel later. But there was, yeah, there was, it was. I mean, there were multiple incidents, right? Um, not to mention the, like, the offside line they drew for the Salah offside, which was bizarrely, like, like ahead of where he actually was. It might have been offside, but the line was, like, way off. Yeah. If he bends his run slightly, he scores. Oh, so two two things. Like he should have done better for sure. But but the line they drew and they published, it, it's like weirdly angled because it's not actually in line. But the line is drawn way beyond where actually Salah is. Yeah, I mean, I felt like that got in Salah's head a little bit too. I, I wonder. I wonder if he was thinking about the record and, oh. and the fact that they that like he like it was taken away like that. It's. He definitely had a good 25 minutes, right? And he was not as effective after that. No, that's kind of why I said it. Like He flits in and out of games sometimes, and then he'll show up and and bang one. And I think people were pointing to that as like why he shouldn't have been taken off. But I told you in the thread, Conor Gallagher tackled him. I'm I'm, I'm good with him going off after that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the uh, going back to the offside thing. There's something that I just can't for the life of me understand. The World Cup has semi-automated offside. Yep, they, yep. they have this. This problem has been solved. Why are we putting up with this bad interpretation of it? The problem has been solved. You have an automated way of doing this and an automated way that's fairly instantaneous. So we're not sitting there watching you know, a nearsighted man draw two lines. Incorrectly, right, right. So, so my inner Brian Babble is thinking... Howard Webb, he's the common denominator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that picture because we're obviously not going to talk about the United game much, apart from the fact that they obviously should have lost. But there's an image of Howard Webb, John Moss, and oh, some of the referees in the hospitality suite. Suite at Manchester United. I, I got you've got to figure though, like people who are running the referees association are probably they'd probably get the same treatment at Anfield. They're getting that treatment every place. I love a good conspiracy theory, but this one's going a little too far. I'm not sure. I, so it'd be interesting, right? Like we should be every week or like, how's the hospitality squeeze and who's there? It just felt a bit too smug, right? How is Howard Webb there? He's supposed to be directing all this shit. Is he every game? I don't believe he's at every game, right? I don't think he is either, but the man is just but a simple Rotherham fan. Yeah. With a Man United shirt, according to Ryan Bubble. Yeah. 
go check the tweet. And his feet hang out of Boogie's bed. Twitter's never been as good since then. Um, what is 2011 his tweet? Was it Justin? Yeah. Where he photoshopped a United shirt onto Howard West. I, I, I mean, it's an all time. It's an all time great professional <laughs> athlete tweeted a referee. Uh, right, right. Uh, did, did you see actually? Uh, it's very big tangent that he's trying to claim because Musk has <laughs> said anyone who gets criticized or, or or in trouble with their employers for tweets they made, uh, like he'll he'll recompense cover the legal costs. Yeah. Now now he's claiming back his ten thousand pounds or whatever it was is fine. Um, I'm like asking if Elon will stump up the money. Ryan Babel's very funny. It's just also, I would say just not looking at his Twitter feed because he is also um, hawking crypto. So, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's going to recoup his 10,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Babel coin. Oh. <laughs> if, you get, if, if you, if you compile enough Babel coin, you get a ride on the Babel copter. <laughs> What happens if he gets his 10,000 pounds back? That's yeah. so. Um, okay, we've talked about Chelsea stuff, the ugly, uh, the refereeing. Um, final thoughts. Um, the, some of the subs, uh, uh, Harvey Elliott looked really sharp, though Curtis looked pretty good when he came on. Darwin looked Darwin. Um, final thoughts about the subs. When you go, Daz? Uh, I will say for Darwin, he looked sharper. The ball from Macca could have been better. Yeah. But my dad, my dad was absolutely livid. His words exactly were Bobby would have finished his fucking ham sandwich, the crossword, brought it down, gone around the goalkeeper, and knocked it in with his cock. Those are my dad's words, not mine. Yeah. So, to be he may not have smacked the Chelsea player to the ground and then got the ball and created the chance that almost went in. That was, uh, I did love that moment. He looks brighter, though. Like, he looks brighter. He's on the ball, his, his possession. His, what frustrated me last year watching him was he picked the ball up on top of the 18-yard box, left-hand side, right-hand, mostly left-hand side when he was playing up front, and he'd push a five-yard ball behind someone or too far into it or he'd get cut out. And I've watched him in the preseason. I watch him in this game. Is he seems like it's something that he's focused on in terms of better link-up play when he's when he's not when he's when he's not he doesn't have an opportunity to ping it on net. Yeah. Um, and so that I, I see green shoots from him, but again, like you, that you see when he's one, he has a potentially one on one with the goalkeeper and, and he doesn't control it. As probably a professional footballer should be able to. It, it's frustrating, but. I'm going to take the positives from it. I think I still think he's going to bag a lot of goals this year. I'll be interested to see if he does how many starts he actually gets because the argument could be that I, th- I really thought Gakpo would start off in the middle of the park. I, I think Jota's done enough to to yeah. to secure that, but for something like this, because he's not as easy, he's, he turns in half spaces a lot better than Jota does, and I felt that that would have been it might have been more effective against against a 39 year old centre back. Who's in the twilight of his career, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, you talk about select, you talk about selections for the Bournemouth game, but I do think a lot of the selections of this game made assumptions about Chelsea not being that good. Um, um, and I think if if he thought that Chelsea were even worse, then Darwin probably would have started. Um, we we didn't touch on Elliot or Curtis. Um, I, I get, I'll, I'll 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 cover those two. Sounds good. Um. They made us better because we had finally three midfielders doing three sets of midfield things. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Like that was what we needed at that point in time was we, you can't play two midfielders against Enzo Fernandez, unless you're playing two really good midfielders in a four, two, three, one. That's not what we were doing. Yeah. Like you could play two deep midfielders against Enzo Fernandez if they're Javier Mascherano and Jamie Alonso. So you have someone who can destroy play and take away all of his passing targets and someone else who actually knows how to you know pass and make him defend more. But we didn't do that. And then finally, we actually started doing that late in the game because we had two midfielders doing midfield things. And I think Harvey Elliott at this point, um, what he's going to require to play is going to need to be that presence of a six. Because the physical limitations of him at times can be really easily overrun in midfield, you need someone who actually can cover for that because he is quite talented on the ball, right? So 
if you're going to make that work, you do have to balance it better, which is something we didn't do last year. And um, I would, I mean, I would consider playing Elliot against uh, teams where we know we're going to have a lot of the ball. And I think, I, I think Elliot's the exact opposite of Jones. I think he's the player you only play at home against bad teams. Whereas Jones is the guy you play away from home against good teams. Oh, I love that. Love that. Um, are we done with Chelsea? Let's move on to talk about uh, how embarrassing we are as a football club um, in part two. Part one, I think we'll leave there. Welcome back to First Day Kappa. It's brought to you by the Fair Harbor Otter Swimming Experience in Fair Harbor, Delaware. They don't sponsor this podcast yet. Well, I'm I'm invested in that because I'm currently in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and uh, that's 16 miles away. According to my uh, my uh, whatever it is no one calls a GPS anymore, do they? Whatever it is, my Google Map. Map. Yeah, MapQuest. That's even older than GPS. <laughs> okay, I think we missed a beat there. We could have called ourselves utterly amazing. <laughs> uh, we'd be, we'd be lying. Um, let's go. Let's go with that. That's not uh, going to get us sponsorship, Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, I think the humility thing works. You know, people are like, oh, we could go with that. Anyway, um, my highlight for this section: uh, some people are embarrassed about Liverpool Football Club and their transfer behaviors. Um, I, I I feel like we could do a cliche show on ambition, failure to back the manager. Anyway, uh, yeah. I'll start with you, Daz. Um, we've got Endo, apparently. Have we got him? Is he signed yet? The uh, uh, a brief, Japanese... a brief view of the Twitters or X's, whatever the hell it's called now. I said, I, not, not so much yet that I have seen. But it's, I don't know, man. I think, I think they're doing it on purpose. Like we're salivating for something, and they're, they're just, they're just like drawing it out even more, just to, just to get us ready for the red meat when it's thrown to us. I, I do. I'll, I'll be honest, and I think we talked about this off air. I'm excited about this. It feels like one of those, one of those like instant cult hero type. You won't be instant cult hero, but I think it has cult hero written all over it. And I, like, look, I will profess I know nothing about this gentleman. Not one thing other than his name is Endo. And oh, Hendo, Endo, right? Yes, yes. So yeah. we, we can. We and the great thing is, like, all we have to do is scratch a few letters off the back of jerseys and give them number fourteen, and we can save <laughs> ourselves a fucking packet. Yeah. If he plays fourteen, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they should just give it to him. Here you go, son. But um, I, I, I'm excited about it. Like, it's, it's, it feels like it's, it's low risk. Because there's no expectation around it. Like if he had come and he's 30 and they wanted 60 million for him, then there would have been immediate expectations. For but by all accounts, it looks like he's coming for a fairly small wage. Do you know how much he makes a week? No. Nope. 12,670 euros. What? Yes. According to a website that I found. FB Ref, I think it is. Oh, FB Ref doesn't have accurate salaries. I'm pretty but sure still- that... It's not going to be anywhere near three hundred thousand pounds a week or whatever Casado was looking for. What they were yeah. we were offering him. I just, I just, it has oh, a like seven hundred thousand euros a year. <laughs> that's like I said to you. Like that's actually believable. I, that's believable. Well, the last time I felt this like good about someone that no one had ever heard of was 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 Robert was Andy Robertson. I know a different profile, much younger. He had played in the EPL before. Blah 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 blah. But it's like it's kind of the same type of signing that that's kind of slides in and he and he's just underrated and and he starts doing a job for you and everyone's like where the fuck did this guy come from why didn't we pick him up like 10 years ago see i i have seen him play because i watched the bundesliga but like i've seen him play in the point where like i've watched him like i've watched maybe like sick like three times last season and what was your take on watching him oh my take was that they were crap most of the time i was just they were cannon fodder in most of the games that they played in. They stayed up, but that's not a good side. But, like, I mean, he seems like – I I had, to be perfectly honest, I had not really thought of him as anything besides, like, this guy seems like a decent footballer. A piano yeah. carrier, perhaps? He could be a piano carrier, perhaps. As I also remember watching him during the World Cup because Japan was fun. They were very good in the World Cup, yeah. He's the captain. 
He was the captain of the team. Yeah, right? I mean they're fun, and like he's he's a he's a. I think that this will be perfectly fine. I think I'll be underwhelmed if it's the only thing we do. Not embarrassed, but underwhelmed. Um, <laughs> all right, Paul, we're going to get into it. People who are embarrassed by their football team. Yeah, yes. Like, I look, I, 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 I sort of get it from one perspective. Right? Amy I'm Gordon. a fan of the New York Mets, Jets, and Knicks. Oof. All three of these teams are terrible. Hey, they have made me feel like shit rooting for them over the point in time of my life for like large periods of my life. Like they made me feel bad about rooting for them, but I don't think it's ever been embarrassment because like, I'm not the one who's like going out there and telling, you know, the Knicks to go trade for Eddie Curry. Like, no, nah, that's not me. I mean, I'm not the one who's getting blown out. I'm not the one who hasn't made the playoffs in 12 years in the, in, in the jets. Not the one who just spent three hundred and fifty-eight million dollars to, to you know, end up in the top five of the draft. In the case of the Mets, like, why would I be embarrassed about that? I had nothing to do with any of these things. Well, well, even if you did, like some of these are risks, right? We we take like nobody signs somebody knowing that they're going to be like the guy, or nobody tries to sign somebody knowing that like somewhere else they're going to be a success. Yeah. Well, my big, my, what I love about this the most is people like hashtag FSG out things today because i stumbled on the by accident i wasn't looking for them which are like don't want him send him back it's like what you see here herein lies the problem i I would like these people as angry as they are to be like pissed at literally anything else like go be pissed at politicians like at least there's a possible good outcome there but i'm actually then convinced though that it would be unleashing a uh a world of andrew tate acolytes onto the political specter and we don't need more of them yeah. Well, actually, that's a really good way of looking at it. I think we have way too many Andrew Tates following us at this point. Mason. And we don't have any Mason Greenwoods playing for us. <laughs> he Ooh. needs to be playing for no one. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe they're considering doing that. No. I, mean, I, I, I can't believe it. That actually makes me angry. That, that, that... It makes me deeply angry. Yeah, yeah. Like... I, that's the one where it's like it makes me angry and from the point of it like it's like not for any tribal reasons right like if liverpool did that i'd be fucking livid yep yes yeah 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 Yeah. so um i know you have a daughter too daz it's like it's not cool to understand that this man can make it back into big time football after allegedly doing what he did no alleged to it i know she dropped the charges and apparently have a child now they live together still is that what i'm reading uh, if, yeah. the tape and the pictures are out there's no yeah this shit happened yeah yeah solitary moments anyway um we we can end this uh so i do want to do one more thing before we end this segment i mean for, there's a lot of like stuff in football that's just shit right that that is a piece of it like people not caring about behavior towards women um Mix the the women's game, by the way. I know we're not going to do anything on the women's World Cup in this segment, but uh, makes makes it so much more appealing because um, there's not nowhere near the level of toxicity about the fan base. There's nowhere near the level of um, uh, what uh, like what 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 do, what do we not? We don't sign dickheads, right? Doesn't seem like yeah. by definition there doesn't seem to be many dickheads here. <laughs> football. Yeah. I mean, um, it it limits it. It's funny because we say that, and like you know, we say like you know things like Moises Caicedo apparently couldn't pass the no dickhead test, but it just gets like, what's his biggest his biggest problem is just hiring you know as far as we're concerned is hiring an agent who's just you know mildly yeah. unscrupulous, but like there's dickheads and then there's fucking dickheads and like yeah. some of these guys like Moises Caicedo will be like a pantomime villain for uh, to us because he chose them over us, right? Well, some of these other people are actually really. um yeah, terrible for society, and uh, they—that's uh, that that there there really does need to be a bigger reckoning in men's football, which is still you know the women's game growing is a huge is huge, and, I, and I'm deeply happy about that. Yeah, but within men's football, there really needs to be a reckoning about these football clubs and how they treat their female fans, right? And like even then, like if you think about it, the the women's clubs are basically you know women's teams play for the same clubs that the men's teams have basically been the popular platform on so it's like you know the, your your football club needs to actually um 
you should demand that your football club not necessarily love you, but at least respect you as a person. Um, can we say one more thing before we're done with part two? Yeah. Um, You're the host. You tell us. <laughs> Ask so, us a question and we'll answer I go it. Off, I want to go off on a slight tangent. Um, no, that's uh, what we do best. Transfer. Yeah, no, 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 no. Now you're coming have... into our territory. <laughs> so, stay in your lane, like... Paul. Stay in your lane. Um, well, it, it is in the agenda, so it's okay. Um I, I'm kind of wondering whether some of these players who signed up for Chelsea are actually victims of some Ponzi scheme that we're not aware of. Because it's uh, it, oh, you've never heard you don't know this. There's <laughs> actually like a thing that's in Clear Lake Capital, the fund that funds Chelsea, which what, is the events of Ponzi schemes owned by which which the principals are Bed uh, Agbadi and Todd Bowley, right? Yeah. They actually structured some of the way in which transfer fees are paid is to where they actually there's a small fee that actually goes into the investor pool in the fund. So it's Ooh. not necessarily even a Ponzi scheme, right? It's just they've structured their football to be they've structured this to basically be partially an investment, an investment like property like this. Chelsea is an interesting case because of the fact that this is what you. They've taken the idea of team building. Yeah. And gone into like what would how would we structure doing it if we were a private equity company trying to revive a brand, which is why it's part of why it's just so soulless and gross. Yeah. So our biggest hope then I'm taking out of this, given we all follow baseball teams on the East Coast, is that the Dodgers go away and die, and uh, Chelsea go with them. Yeah. Okay, like love it. The love Dodgers it. are actually well run, though. Oh, so Bowley can't have anything to do with them based on this. He's a twenty percent owner, but basically, yeah. the people actually running the Dodgers are significantly smarter. Oh, okay. Andrew Friedman's a much smarter guy than Todd Bowley. How much does he own? Uh, Bowley of the Dodgers? No, Friedman. Friedman. Friedman's the Friedman's the GM and president of baseball oh. ops. He's not. He's not an owner. So he owns the rest. He might he might have a small he might have a small ownership stake, but Friedman is more of a uh much more of a uh like you know uh, actually hands-on operational guy who understands the game came from the big he like he came from the Rays system. He basically just like uh, let's do what the Tampa Bay Rays do only with like actually a lot of money. So so to translate this, we're kind of hoping he's not the guy they hire at Chelsea. They hire, I don't know, um I don't know who I'm trying to think who's a bad choice. Showalter is he a anybody bad involved with the New York Mets? <laughs> so Showalter is, is he still there? But but Bucks the Mets manager, the Mets GM is Billy Upler. Okay, um, it basically you just got to hope that they um that they just hire someone very bad at their job. Yes, well it could be having two. Sp- so here's my like take on this: is they may not have someone who understands the finance. Um, they've signed those two like uh, sporting directors uh, who are only interested in hiring people. And I, I just hope they've screwed it up badly. They they feel like they're okay, but they're not. Uh, that would be wonderful. Because it appears that people have said they're okay because they're not playing in Europe. Anyway. Well, speaking of embarrassment, I think that the, they're using the fact that Lavia joined them as another stick and another embarrassment stick to beat, to beat the, to beat, Liverpool and their and their acquisitions teams, good point. Or for talent acquisition, uh, I, I, which I, I, you're giving them weight. You're just throwing a bag of money in front of these guys, and it's uh, what, right. what it's not. It's not embarrassing. Like, does your embarrassment come from the fact that we're not going to pay over the odds? Yeah, yeah. That you that you just want us to seem like I, I I just don't understand. You can't have it both ways. You don't want us to be Chelsea, but you want us to act like Chelsea. Yeah. So you can't have it both ways. Well, it's because nobody wants to embrace the like the, people don't want to embrace the like legitimate criticism of this summer, right? For Liverpool, which is that as a pro, has, has the planning been particularly good? It doesn't appear so. No, but well, at the same time, we still might get away with it. So, yeah. in reality, why should you care? Like, I, I, I know more about what I about what happens in the halls of power of Liverpool Football Club that I care to know because in the end, you know what, if they back into the right solution, mm. I don't care how they got there. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a pro- I'm, I'm not there to like my what I what I want to do as a supporter is not evaluate process all the time. I right. don't. So so here's where I go with actually is um I don't I think if you took away a couple of things, I don't think the summer's that bad, right? They signed some really good players at the start of the summer. Yeah. Henderson and, and Fabinho are still here. Henderson and Fabinho go. There's no like lunatic fringe, uh, like spending money like it doesn't matter at Chelsea. They signed Caicedo or Lavia. Um, they were in good shape. Instead of which, what happened to operate in this weird market where Chelsea have inflated the value of every freaking midfielder in the world um, because of the like 200, what they spent 250 million on their midfield, which is More not than that. It's Lavia at 55. Yeah. Um, Casado at one fifteen, so that brings you to one seventy. Oh well, it's a hundred, and then we're going and to then a hundred and six million for Enzo. Yeah, so you're at three hundred. You're at two hundred eighty-one million pounds for three players in their midfield. Yeah, yeah, which is not what anyone else is paying. Even Man City are not paying that amount of money for those players. So and they paid a hundred million pounds for Jack Grealish. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they can. But it's not like they're re equipping their midfield at that value. Although we came to Bruyne gone, that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, very interesting that. But it's I, I want to think another thing that your average top red. See, I don't think it's necessarily the fact that you have targets in. It's the quote unquote value of the targets that are brought in. So we didn't get Bellingham stink, Chuamani stink, Caicedo stink because they, I think it's the the nature of the of. It's the nature of the, of the the transfer itself. Big money, big name. So we did some some very good business when we needed to do it with almost no mess and no fuss. And I think we have two fantastic players yeah. in Alexis McAllister, who I'm very excited about, and Sobislai, who I don't know a lot about, but I like. I love, love Sobislai. He looked really good against you. He does. I, I he love does. Him. But it's. It's almost like the, what have you done for me lately? You said you were going to do this, but we did this. It doesn't matter. You said you were going to do this, but we've done what we said we were going to do. We've brought two in to essentially account for one. And to Justin's point, we may have backed into a solution and you're being held to ransom because it's not as sexy enough or big money enough because that doesn't show ambition. If you don't show up in a Ferrari, you have a a modest Bentley. That's it's, it's just, it's just not good enough. It's, it's boring. It really is boring. And oh, for yeah. Jamie Carragher to come out and say it's an embarrassment, like, mate, just you're a good pundit, but like you have some terrible takes, and this is yeah. one of them. Hiring Roy Hodgson as a manager is embarrassing. That uh, was embarrassing. Not sure much else that we've done since has been in that category. Um, I do want to say a couple, couple things, actually, about Endo before we're done with his part, and then we'll go and talk about Bournemouth, is... So Neil Atkinson was on the Gutter Show today on the Anfield Wrap. Uh, he said something that I actually like. I'm totally signed on to, which is signing here means we can now go out and recruit other people. Saying we've got a six, we you know, we don't need to pay your premium, uh, and if the time's not right, we won't spend the money. And his big thing is he thinks we're signing um, the guy we talked about last week, um, Andre, Andre, yeah, Andre Trinidad of Fluminese. From Fluminese, yeah, yeah, very yeah, fucking good footballer. You like very, very, very good footballer. So you've seen obviously more than the forty-five minutes of the Copa Libertadores. Yes, game, right? I, 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 I do watch South American football, or at least have oh. until I recently offboarded Fubo because of the fact that for some reason I just wasn't using. Uh, I think I need to fix that. I need. I think I need cable back. Damn it. Yeah, Fubo. I need a fade. I need. I need a way to watch BN. Fubo was got fifty percent more expensive, I think, in the last like four months. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm still, not paying that. I still have it, which is why I saw the forty-five minutes in the couple. Leave it to He's so good. He's so, he's yeah. he's very good. I, the only thing I wonder is just about the speed of the game coming from Brazil to Europe, which is why, if you're buying him now or you're buying him in January, anyway. I would still look to bring someone like Ducore in now because if yeah. you think about numbers in our midfield, anyway. What you have is the deepest positions now, Endo and Tiago. Yeah. Um, your eights are Curtis, Harvey, Dom, and Alexis. That brings you to six midfielders. You have Bisatic as a as a as as a as a um a spare midfielder, but in reality he's 18 and his body fell apart at a th- less than a thousand minutes last year. So you have to manage him carefully. Um 
you're an injury away from like a serious depth issue at midfield. Um, yeah. And you ha- own Tiago Alcantara, who is a player who gets hurt. Um, Curtis Jones is going to be missing against Bournemouth. He is also a player who gets hurt. Um, Tiago can swing between the oh, six and the eight. Missing against Bournemouth? Yeah, yeah, Curtis has an, an ankle, ankle injury. Like you have two midfielders who have some 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 injury woes. And as much as no, you know, one of my friends uh, will be loath to hear this. Uh, Curtis Jones is at the moment until he proves otherwise brittle. Um, that you you need you need a deeper midfield profile because if you have an injury to one of the eights and you have two sixes that you can actually play tiago actually can shuffle between the eight and the six right tiago is a tweener there um yeah. but i would really look to bring in decore now and then tiago is going to leave next summer right signing tiago to a new deal unless he's like willing to take like the biggest hometown discount you'll ever give yeah. which um <laughs> he's not um is going to be you're going to need yet another midfielder. So that's where I'd bring Andre. And like I feel like the the right move is to bring in one of the higher end sixes that you can afford now, and get Andre later. And then you've rebuilt your midfield. Yeah. So so just a quick uh, diversion on Andre. If you're watching him, the 45 minutes I saw, he played basically like a someone in the back line. He didn't do much. Well, I, I kind of joked that he kicked someone in the head. Uh, got a yellow card. Could have given away a penalty. I'm assuming you've seen better than that in the yeah, games. Yeah, I've see. seen better. Yeah. He's um, he's not an out and out six. That's the first thing to keep in mind. Okay, he is um, if you if you were gonna a midfielder that on our team who he's closest to stylistically is Tiago. Like it's unquestionably close, unquestionable. It's okay. to the style of player he is. Control tempo of game. Will get into a tackle. Likes a tackle, yeah. but like you wouldn't sit there okay. and be like, this is like you know this this is a a destroyer because he's not Probably a destroyer. Yeah. yeah. He's not, he's not Mascherano, but like he's, he's, in, he's very good on the ball. He wants the ball. He's really good at controlling pace and uh, he, he will, um, he's pretty versatile in what he can do for you positionally, but like, he's not going to go out there and be uh, a marauding forward 10 goal a season attacking midfielder. We have them. We've got plenty of people who can score goals, right? We need, as we talked about earlier, piano carriers, not piano players. Um, I did love uh, Neil's diatribe about uh, like who's ever seen three piano players playing the piano at the same time, except if it was the Muppets. That, that was uh, very funny. Um, <laughs> well, what's that place that they have where they have dueling piano players? I guess that they're on different pianos, they're not on the same one. Dueling, that can't be the idea if you're playing soccer, right? They're dueling piano players. Okay, we should probably end part. Well, oh, you here. saw Sadio Mane and Mo Salah play together, right? <laughs> yes, the 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 head the moments. Uh, I thought we were going down a path of talking about Saudi Arabian soccer, which I'm trying really hard not to pay any attention to. Um, so uh, we're not embarrassed, right? We're uh, moving forward. Part three. We're going to talk about the Bournemouth game coming up this weekend. Uh, let's talk about that, and hopefully our sponsors will uh, be on track with them. Welcome to part three of the non-sponsored um, segment. Uh, we're going to talk here about Bournemouth. Um, maybe we'll touch on beyond, but let's mostly focus on Bournemouth this weekend. Um, it is the 17th. We're going to play them on the 19th, less than 48 hours. Um, I think we've not done extensive opposition research here, so that may be a, a, a like a, a, a cul-de-sac to go down. Um, They're called the Cherries. They're called the Cherries. Their manager's Basque. And Dominic Solanke plays for them. Uh, they like shallots. We know him. <laughs> Do they like the kind of salad that, that Justin would make? Um, you can go with that. Or you can go with what team should we pick? So um, I would probably take some cucumbers, maybe a little <laughs> bit of crumpled feta. Some, oh, some coast. I think South coast. That's totally on, some, on some, some mint. Ooh. Cherry tomatoes. Ooh. Ooh. And then a very, very simple vinaigrette. Also, I'd go with Allison, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dyke, Ibu Kanate, Andrew Robertson. Uh, in the absence of Curtis Jones, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm probably going to actually still play Alexis McAllister at the deepest position. 
um, Dominic Sabazlai, Harvey Elliott, uh, Mohamed Salah, Cody Gakpo, and Diogo Jota. That's as good a lineup as I could, could think. We So it depends on what we can say. Again, go back to what we talked about like for the last game. Where do we consider Chelsea to be? Because I really think that team we put out there did not con- consider Chelsea to be a, effectively a top four team. Do we consider Bournemouth to be like a bottom 10 team or suddenly the like the bottom 10 team? It's a bottom well, 10 team. But, but, but are they, they tied one one with West Ham? Energized by they drew one with West Ham, but are they energized by the bass coach and the chaos that he wants to bring? Um, yeah, I, I don't know that it's such a departure from what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Gary O'Neill had them playing pretty structured. And they yeah. were good. Like they worked hard and they were good. It's just basically like they they fi- they got rid of a of a formula that was probably about as good as you'd expect out of Bournemouth. Uh, really does seems like without much consideration. Um, yeah, I didn't see them against West Ham, so I have no real knowledge of how they were. But I mean, yeah, I, mean yeah. I think that they're just going to be a typical lower middle ta- lower mid table side where they're decent at home and just dog meat on the road. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. I see your talk of of Elliot, but I seem to remember him struggling against them last year because of their size, their physicality. Well, which game? Against against Bournemouth. Come in the home game, right? It couldn't have been in the home game. He scored like 12 (laughs) seconds into it. It was the away away game. Like He he just looked like he was getting muscled off the ball. So, again, it speaks to how he's being employed, I guess. He also had Henderson and Fab's chalk outlines with his midfield partners. Yeah. I think I think there's definitely an energy to McAllister and Sobberschlei, which was not there last year. Um it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't persist with, with Cody Gakpo because I know that Neil was talking about this as well. In 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 playing against lower opposition, yeah. If you have better possession or more possession. Him as as kind I mean, of a lying attacker. Gakpo was an eight rather than yes. Gakpo. Yes. Yeah. So st- basically start the way you started the, the Chelsea game, essentially, in the absence of, of Curtis Jones. I would have put Curtis Jones in, in, in for Gakpo and maybe switched out Jota and Gakpo just to see. Because Jota can actually be really good as a, as, as a good utility substitute too, especially against a tired defense. Because yeah. he's, he's like a honey badger. He just doesn't quit. I think some of it depends on how we view Bournemouth, which is my old going into the Chelsea game. If you view them as they were the same team as last year, yeah, we should go all out. We could play four attackers. Um, if we view them as somewhat different because they're the best crazy crowd now, which didn't play out last weekend, then maybe we do something different. I'm, I'm going to do uh, 12 seconds of oppo research and tell you exactly what where, where they were in comparison to... Uh... West Ham. Okay. 12 seconds starts now. And they well, marginally out they marginally outplayed West Ham and outpossessed the shit out of them. Oh, well, because West Ham are like mid-block heaven, right? Yeah, it was a 1.37 to 1.07 XG. They didn't they, they each team created one big chance. Bournemouth scored theirs, West Ham didn't. Okay. So I think we should round it out. I think we should batter them based on that prognosis. What's your projection for scores? Uh, Daz being the only one last week who got a draw, right? Because we were bullish about winning. Um, let's start with you. This weekend. Two-nil good guys. What's that? A fairly comfortable 2-0 good guys. 2-0, okay. That's okay. All right. What do you think, Justin? What do you hope for? I think we're going to win 4 or 5-1. I can't see us keeping a team off the score sheet at the moment. That was my logic last weekend. So I went for a 3-1. Obviously, it was a 1-1. Could have been a 3-1. Um, in both directions. <laughs> yeah. with, uh, as you describe, I'm thinking 4-1 is my go-to. Um, I think we should probably leave it there. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So we'll be back with our review of the Bournemouth game next week. Um, and we'll be measuring our level of embarrassment as we go along. Um, we'll look away, look at the Newcastle away game as we go. Uh, hope to be joined by Andrew Beasley um, next weekend. He's a friend Ooh. of the pod, someone who can dig, help us dig into the numbers. Thank you so much, Daz. Thank you so much, Justin. Uh, and thank you for listening.
dear listener. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Follow us at First Day Copites on Twitter. We only tweet and retweet from sources we think are credible. Finally, music is courtesy of Hypnotic. They're a Welsh electro pop band, and you can find them at https colon forward slash forward slash hyperfollow.com forward slash hypnotic. Hypnotic is H Y P E N O T I C. Thanks so much to them. <laughs>